truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday here live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is how you can be here with us. That's if you'd like to engage us. And why would you want to go and do a thing like that? 888-900-3393. You can also email the program steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook. Who doesn't like us? So you got to like us a lot there for it to show up. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're listening today via Blaze Radio or the podcast, you don't have that handy graphic there in front of you uh, with the correct spelling. It's D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening today via Blaze Podcasting, uh, whichever is the podcast platform of your choice, if you would mind leaving us a, a five-star review, we would uh, be very grateful. Thousands of you have done this for us already, and we appreciate each and every one of you, especially the few of you that actually meant it. We really appreciate that, most of all. Uh, We've got a jam-packed show for you here today. One of our listeners asked me a question that we would normally, you know, we normally do this on Feedback Friday when you send me these kinds of questions via email, but this one requires, I think, a a longer, uh, more detailed response. So I'm going to spend some time today answering his question. He asked me, if, if you could resurrect any founding father to return and lecture us on one issue where we are wrong, which founding father and which issue would it be? That's a fun one, right? Don't you think, Todd? That's gold, Jerry. Yeah, That's I, gold. I agree. So we're going we're gonna to have some fun with that one a little bit later on. Also, typical Tuesday business. We've got some fake news or not coming your way. We're going to have a dangerous conversation in Pop Culture Tuesday in that we're going to have a, an in-depth conversation about a show I am not really... Um, well, I know a lot about it because so many people I know know a lot about it. And uh, so I've studied and read a lot about it. But we're going to have an in-depth conversation about a show that I am only like ca- casually, um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more knowledgeable than I casually, than I care. If that, does that make sense? No. <laughs> well, it is the year of no BS after all. We're here for you, Steve. Indeed, I appreciate that. <laughs> so we're going to, as you can, now you can see, this is going to be a tricky one. All right. And so it's coming up in, uh, in Pop Culture uh, Tuesday later today. But I have a theory as to why so many people are disenchanted with the finale of Game of Thrones. And it's unlike, you know, this isn't the first time people have been disappointed by the final episode of a show. You know, Jerry, George, and and, and Elaine and and Kramer let off to jail. Okay? Um, Lost answered most of its big questions. Still my all-time favorite television series. But a lot of people didn't like the answers they got. Okay? But what happened here with Game of Thrones, and I think I sent you guys a link. Yes. And and I read through this, and, and you know, man, I, I'm i an author. I tell stories for a living. That's part of what I do. I'm not saying I'm at, uh, you know, the level of the guys that did this show who are about to take over the Star Wars universe. But from what I can read in that piece, they basically didn't answer, like, anything. This is correct. Nothing. Not, they, they, for eight years... You you might not like Ryan Johnson's answers in The Last Jedi. You might not like his answers, but he gave them to you, didn't he? He gave you answers. Killed uh, Snoke's and nobody killed him off. All right. I mean, what happened to Luke post Return of the Jedi? You may we you may not like his answers and think he post modernized it, but you got answers, right? Did you get answers? Just didn't like them. Here, these are fundamental questions 
of the entire show that were never answered. And I have a theory as to why. What? I love this so much. I mean, okay. you're... You're you're just this guy wandering by, ignore this thing for eight years, you know, you're like, hey guys, what you doing? <laughs> now all of a sudden, like, oh, let me tell you what you're doing. I love it. Yeah. That is outstanding. You just described the show. <laughs> yes. People ask me, what's your show about? That. That's what it's about. Right there. Uh, one of the other things it's about, too, is we love to support worthwhile causes, and one of our favorites is Back to Jerusalem, and the heart of their ministry is is taking uh, the gospel, the fulfillment of the Great Commission, uh, but especially to what are called closed countries. These are countries that have closed or attempted to close the Bible off to their people because they don't want them inspired and hope-filled, because people that are inspired and hope-filled have a far less tolerance for being oppressed, right, where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. So they need our help. Uh, they want to get into communist China, Iran, North Korea, Somalia, and not just to find the next wave of U.S. congressmen. Uh, they want to take the scriptures there, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, but they need our help because uh, from, con- from conception to delivery, it costs about $15 for them to get the Bible into the hands of somebody whose faith or potential faith is being persecuted in one of these oppressive regimes. How do they do it? They just simply take the Bible, they shrink it into an electronic form that's downloadable later, that's about the size of a pill that makes it easier to sneak past the jackbooted thugs uh, and, uh, and the goose steppers uh, in these particular regimes. If you want to help, if you've got 15 bucks, you know, that maybe... You're like, I can, you know, bring my lunch tomorrow. I don't have to stop at a, a fast food joint with somebody and, and and spend that 15 bucks that way. This would be one of the best 15 bucks you've ever spent. All right. Blazehelp.org is the website. That's blazehelp.org or give them a call at 844-305-0566, blazehelp.org. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by impeachment. The White House has urged former Trump legal counsel Don McGahn to defy a House Judiciary subpoena to testify in matters related to the Mueller report. And in response, several Democrats said if he doesn't show up, they'll have no choice but to pursue impeachment. As always, though, Nancy Pelosi says not so fast. So doesn't it put more pressure on you that a conservative Republican says the threshold for impeachment has been met? No. No? No. Why? Well, we have to, we're not, this isn't about politics, it's not about passion, it's not about prejudice, it's not about politics, it's about patriotism, and it's about the presentation of the facts. <laughs> it looks like... I hope you, like me, find this entire debacle incredibly exhausting. In other news, yesterday was the very first congressional Islamic iftar dinner as part of Ramadan. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was asked to speak for some reason. Right now, there's an effort, you know, the the effort and the way that they try to oppose all progress in this country is by pitting communities against one another that have never and have no business being pitted against one another. They try to import that division, women against our LGBT community, Jew against Muslim, immigrant versus citizen. Al-Qaeda, you know, has He's an expert. (laughs) Moving on, actor Jeff Daniels was on MSNBC yesterday to talk about things and stuff, because why the hell not? All that stuff you guys believe in, and you still voted not for Hillary or for Trump, where are you now? Because your kids are looking up at you going, 
but he lies. And, and I think there are a lot of people in the Midwest who are going, it might be enough for them. We're going to find out if, it, you know, if the big gamble is to go all the way to November 2020, which I agree, and lose, it's the end of democracy. Democracy will end if Trump is elected. Got it. The college board, the people who run the SAT standardized tests, will be fully implementing something they've been testing for years, a so-called adversity score, which is, quote, designed to place students' SAT scores in the context of their socioeconomic advantages or disadvantages. Today's We're All Going to Die update, courtesy of Democratic presidential candidate Jay Inslee. Science is very clear. We cannot burn all the coal we have uh, in the future decades or it will destroy the, the country, literally. This is a scientific fact. An update on hashtag ArthurGate. Alabama Public Television is refusing to air the episode of the popular children's television show Arthur, which features a homosexual air quotes wedding. ESPN President Jimmy Pitaro admitted to the Los Angeles Times yesterday that fans of the Mothership Sports Network don't want them covering politics. Great observation, Copernicus. And now, how could I have forgotten? Mitch McConnell made a momentous announcement on the floor of the Senate yesterday. Today, I'm introducing federal legislation to make 21 the new minimum age for purchasing any tobacco product anywhere in the United States. Let me say that again. A new age nationwide for purchasing anything classified as a tobacco product. Cigarettes e-cigarettes, vapor products, and everything else. It shouldn't be 18 any longer. It should be 21. And this legislation will make that happen. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's delightful montage brought to you by our friends at Ridge's Own. Who know it would be really awkward to keep a stop sign at your kitchen table, dinner table, telling you when it's time to stop eating. That's why your creator gave you one. It's called OEA. It's a little signal uh, in the gut that goes up to the brain that says, hey, we're full down here and uh, you can give it a rest. Time to move on. And that's one of the ways that helps to regulate your metabolism. The problem is for some of us, that signal isn't as strong as it needs to be, particularly for many more of us. The older we get and all Riduzone wants to do, it's not a stimulant. It doesn't loaded with caffeine or anything else. It's only got three ingredients. Rice is one. The overwhelming ingredient, by the way, the main one is this OEA. All it wants to do is put the OEA back in your body to make your metabolism work the way uh, nature intended. If you want to give this a shot, this might be the missing link in your battle against the bulge. All right. Here's all you need to do. Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Use my name there. They'll give you a special uh, discount. Uh, special offer when you go to the website riduzone.com r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e all right let's let's get to aaron's montage um you know i grew up in the same state that jeff daniels is from uh he's the state of michigan and uh he's from the state of michigan and he was the voice for a lot of uh, state of michigan promotional stuff uh, as i was growing up and and even after i moved away from the state even until recent years uh, he was and I think, you know, there's more that he said in that clip that's been I saw making the rounds and when Aaron included, uh, that, that basically the only reason you would vote for Donald Trump is you're a racist. I mean, that, that's essentially what he said. And his home state voted for Donald Trump. So this is an important point to me. This is this is different than 
just some other Hollywood whack job lefty. Okay, this is a this is a guy that has you know um, proven to be fairly lucid in in most of his acting and professional career. He has not been prone to hyperbole, and he comes from and has spent a lot of his life, even in his acting years, he has spent a lot of his life living in a community. Or living or, or associating with a state, I should say, associating with a state that has communities of people like you who voted for Trump for various reasons. And and so this isn't Nicole Wallace, who, you know, was a, um, you know, poop deck uh, swabber in the Bush administration who's made a name for herself by, you know, just being a more vile version of Anna Navarro's act. That's what she does for MSNBC. Pretend to be a conservative who hates Trump for money. That, that's what she does. All right. Um, this is different to me because it, it, to me this re this reinforces the two Americas. I don't like this to be true. I mean, I, I grew up watching you know melting pot episodes of. Um, you know, Schoolhouse Rock in between Thundar the Barbarian and Super Friends, you know, and Laugh Olympics. You know, I, this is, I'm not, I'm not, when I tell you this, I want you to know I'm not good with it. You know, I'm also not good with a 16 inch, you know, uh, snowfall either. I, I also, though, recognize that I can do nothing about it. And so I tell my children, don't go outside. I tell my teenage daughter, don't drive. You know, uh, I make sure that the vents, and the filters and stuff in the heater are cleaned up, uh, so there's less of an opportunity for those to go out when we need them the most, right? I, I can't, I can't change the environment. All, all I can do is acknowledge that it is what it is, and then do what I can to, um, to make myself and the people under my charge that I care about the most, uh, to, to make them and you know prepared to confront the environment that we're in. And I just, I think it's important for, for if, if Jeff Daniels has crossed the Rubicon to there's there's no reason you would disagree with me other than you're a terrible human being. And you hate democracy. And you hate democracy. I, I then, you know, I, I don't I don't know, to borrow a phrase from one of his most famous films, I don't know how many more shrimp we can throw on the Barbie here, okay? Um, but it's just another reminder. There's no more room at the inn for people like you. And I'm, I'm sad. I'm not, I'm not happy about that, but, um, it's where we are and I don't see a way around it. So, you know, it's revival or bust, you know, and, and when you use that sort of language, you know, you are, you are, you are pushing for a form of civil warfare and it's just a matter of whether it goes to its most extreme form or not. You're, you're literally telling people he's he's telling the places where he grew up the places that launched him into his career the places where he still has he comes from you know a time also this is not a spring chicken this guy's over 60 you know he, he's lived in an america where we had to figure out how to get along despite our diverse views on very divisive topics and now if he's telling you yeah i'm altering the deal pray i don't alter it any further then the deal's off the table and here's the deal. You will slit your throat or they will do it for you. That's the, and I know we keep repeating that, but it's because they keep repeating it. You know, this isn't our message. 
We're just relaying to you what they're saying to the rest of us. You have any thoughts on that, Tom? No, I'm I'm glad you nailed it. I mean, it's get busy living or get busy dying time. As I've said, the 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 the, the old revolution is not in effect anymore. The the one that was won and enables us to have the constitution that we have, it's 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 not in effect. We must either recodify that or it is lost. But the the barn door is open. The the horse is out. And Steve's main point is you, you must accept that as a reality or you will surely lose. And if it's not on your watch, your kids. Yeah, and if you're not, here's the good news. If you don't want to have to accept that reality, here I've got good news for you. Well, I mean, you may not, after I tell you what it is, you might not find it good news, but um, they're going to force you to confront that reality. They're, they're making it pretty obvious. They're going to force you to. So do it while you actually have some cards in your I, hand. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I want to, I think we need to correct. We've got fake news or not coming up later today. Aaron had some fake news in his montage. Although I don't think it's necessarily his fault. That, that was not an iftar dinner. Okay? That was not. If, if you held an iftar dinner in any predominantly Muslim enclave on this entire planet, and you allowed Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to even speak at all, let alone say the thing she says in that clip, she will either be in jail, she'll either be jailed or killed. Period. That was not an Islamic iftar dinner. But they're saying it is. Yeah, they, well, you know, they, they, they claim all kinds. And you can Take be a Christian and not... Word. Yeah, you can be a Christian and not uh, have to, you know, uh, accept any actual tenet of Christianity. Uh, you can be a woman and not have a vagina or a uterus. You can be a man and have a child. I mean, you can... The, the, that's insanity. But the reality is, in any Islamic enclave on this planet, a woman like her wouldn't even be permitted to speak, number one. And then if they got up and said the things that she says in that video, I hope her she's got very good security and an updated passport and you knows where the U.S. Embassy is. You didn't even hear the best part. She, uh, she said in another clip that uh, when Christians and Jews and Muslims pray, she just believes all of our prayers go up. Yeah, I, I would have a challenge to Miss Ocasio-Cortez. Walk down the streets of Amman, Jordan. Many people consider that to be the most modern, uh, moderate city major uh, city in the Islamic world, walk down the streets of Amman, Jordan with a megaphone and say those things out loud, you know, over lunchtime. Or right as they're doing the call to prayer in the morning. And then come back and tell me if, if your views on the Second Amendment have evolved at all. Hmm. So, I mean, that's just, that's leftist trolling. That's not an Islamic iftar dinner. That's juvenile they're laughing at Ye in Yemen and they're saying, you know, after we get rid of the Christians, we're going to, those people, their heads will be even easier to chop off. That's what they're doing right now. Where, the, where they're holding real Islamic iftar dinners, that's what they're saying. So you don't think there's a shot that along with Sunni and Shiite, we now have woke Islam? No, it's not possible. I, I'm pretty confident <clears throat> woke Islam's not going to happen. All right. I mean, Islam's having a hard time with its own, having, Islam's having a hard time having a modernist reformation. Meaning, can we all just agree? that it's a bad idea to kill people if they don't want to convert. It's, it's, it hasn't been able to win that argument for like 700 years. The, I, 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 at the very least, I believe woke Islam is a long way away. <laughs> All right? Was somebody of the gravitas like, of AOC though? Like maybe like, you know, like Pluto. 
is it a planet again? Is it still in our solar system? Do we not know? Like that kind of long way away. It's like Pluto. That's where woke Islam but is. Maybe this is Nixon could go to only Nixon could go to China. Only Ocasio-Cortez could finally solve this Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I think this is more like um, this is another woman that uh, needs a burqa. I, I think that's 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 probably more like how they would probably react to what she has to say. So the irony is in, in places that highly value Islamic teaching, she would not be able to say the things that she just said. And it's this country, which she hates, that gives her the freedom to be that dumb. One other point I want to make out of Aaron's montage. Another thing that I believe is true, and I wished it weren't, and I, and I want you guys to tell me that I'm wrong, okay? Which you've already done here today, Todd, so I'm giving you another I'm chance. I'm comfortable with that. I, I, I know you. you are. See... I, I know Aaron doesn't want to talk about impeachment. But I kind of think everybody else does. What else are they going to talk about? Tell me, tell me what else they're going to talk about. Exploding debt and deficits, neither side's really that interested. Uh, Ditch, his new cocaine uh, Mitch meme is, Hey, I didn't do a damn thing about planned butcherhood, but let me raise the cigarette smoking age 30 years after it's basically not even a, a, a you know, an activity that takes place in polite society. <laughs> it's just, that is peak team GOP right there. All right. Um, I mean, that's, that's self-parody what McConnell is doing there. So neither side is serious about debts or deficit. Neither side is really serious about education. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, they're not serious about education either, but they're not, they're, they're clearly not serious about real healthcare reform that more empowers choice and individuals that kind of transcends the whole debate about what you think about Obamacare at this point. They're not serious about that. You know, we're really not serious about ending endless war in the Middle East. We're not serious about building a wall. We're not, we're not really serious about anything. Other than that, they've got a wonderful singing voice. Though. Yes. Yeah, tell, they're, they're, this is, this is the only real fight that they can have. And, and folks, folks, trust me when I tell you, the show must go on. The show must go on. And everybody knows you can't have that season where you come back and, and they have the kid and then the next season they do the time jump where he ages 10 years because everybody knows that's when a show is on its last leg, right? So what a show will typically do before it goes to that uh, jump the shark moment is it will attempt to go back to what it, what's been successful before and kind of try to recycle it a little bit. Right. So, um, it would be, it would be a, a perfect encapsulation, a perfect snapshot of where we are at politically in America for the entire Russian collusion narrative to be blown out of the water that we were told was the impeachable offense for the last two years. And then to have Mueller come back with the outcome where that's concerned. Everybody's still debating the obstruction part of it. But no one is debating the Russian collusion narrative is, is dead in the water. No one's debating that. All right? So at least nobody's serious. So that was the impetus, the original narrative for all of this. We were, we were inundated with this daily for two years. And the, when, how many times did we sit here off the air game planning with each other how we thought the Mueller probe would end? And none of us, not, not, not you who thought there was nothing here from the beginning, not me who thought, I don't know, I kind of think Mueller's a serious player, not Aaron, who just doesn't care. All three of us had different perspectives on this. And we would, when, we would, when we would debate this during breaks or off the air in, and, or after the show and like, 
Where's this going to be in a year, six months from now? How many times did any of the three of us had Mueller's going to come back and say, absolutely no Russian collusion? Did we ever have that? No. No. We never thought that. We never thought that would happen. And that's exactly what happened. And so it would be perfect that we're going to have an impeachment anyway. <laughs> yep. Because what else are they going to do? Trump is far more comfortable with these kind of fights anyway. He's a brawler. He likes the he likes the per, he likes it driven by personality because that's also driven by ego. So he he won't go, he won't be able to and and he, and he and he has shown no willingness to truly use the bully pulpit to move his own party to his to his will. So if he's if he if he won't do that, that means he won't really govern. That's really what it means. I mean, Daniel Horowitz is saying that our border is overrun now to pre-2015 worst of the Obama era levels is what he's saying right now when he looks at the numbers. So, so Trump won't govern. The Democrats cannot. They're wrong. On, they're, they are too far left on virtually every issue. So what else are they going to do? If you're Trump, hey, you know what? Tell Don McGahn not to testify. Make Jerry Nadler come out and clown himself. Everybody's base gets their clicks. They, they, they get you know, they get to talk about you know Trump the authoritarian fascist subjugating government and we get to talk about hypocritical Democrats who didn't care when Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and told Eric Holder not to do it everybody gets what they want and the show will go on tell me I'm wrong I think everybody wants this there's nothing else to do well it goes back to what I said in the previous issue everybody wants this because they aren't uh, fully cognizant or are simply in denial about the state, the current state of our union and how deplorable it actually is. They'll, t they'll talk about it in a shirts versus skins, almost like, oh, uh, it really sucks that Auburn isn't as good as Alabama this year. It's that level of existentialism yeah. to them, but not the reality of it, that our, our kids' future is literally in the balance. And right then now. If, we, if we're going to treat this as a team sport, what's closer to a Super Bowl than an impeachment? Right. Is there anything we could do to, is there anything we could, if we're not going to debate a real issue, is there anything else we could contrive that, that, that may, has a Super Bowl feel to it? Anything else? Nope. So, you know, in the end, this is almost like the guns of August. We're going to have a war over this just simply because what the hell else are we going to do? What else are we going to do? Todd, on the bright side, though, your children's future may be in the, uh, hanging in the balance here, but at least they're going to have the SAT's adversity score to, you know, yeah, kind of, no kind kidding. of coddle them through. Well, on, on real issues, this is my point about, like, Game of Thrones. Everybody's into Game of Thrones. Well, there's real politics. They're talking about it in that show all the time. And I made this speech before about the, the great Braveheart speech, uh, Sons of Scotland. Oh, man, that's really stirring. Yes, the foundational belief you must have and how you must live your life. In real life, though, every, nobody goes out and lives and does the things that really matter like that. And if you try to ask about it, oh, come on, you're taking this too seriously. Why are you that guy? Why are you always stirring things up? That's the fundamental problem. It, it, as long as it's the show... Reality is okay, yep. but reality in real life, that no, don't want to touch that. That's, I got things a, to do. That's, that's brilliant. It's, that, like that's, Eli, it's like Eli and his two sons. Like he gets in, in, in Samuel, he gets, he gets super pissed off that they're, that they're messing about and that they're, you know, having sex with some of the, you know, uh, people outside of the, uh, te or the temple doors. Um, but, you know, he doesn't do a damn thing to stop them. Yeah, he can't be bothered with yeah, it. Yeah, he can't be bothered. Yeah. He's, he's really upset, but he, not going to do anything. 
admit it, you think cybercrime is something that happens to other people. You may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but you would be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard. That's why to protect myself, I use ExpressVPN. It secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data, hiding your public IP address. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning it on takes only one click. I installed my ExpressVPN literally in, in less than 10 minutes. And it's been working for me ever since. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same Express VPN protection that I have. It's the number one rated VPN service by TechRadar. And it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a shot today. Three months free with a one-year package at ExpressVPN, V as in Victor, ExpressVPN.com slash Steve expressvpn.com you can get three months for free if you sign up with a one-year subscription then when you average it out it's less than seven dollars a month to protect your data from online scammers expressvpn.com slash steve all right when we come back perfect segue from the conversation we were just having it's time for our weekly edition of fake news or not aaron and todd will be the judges of that when we return Do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? Maybe you've been finding yourself asking people, hey, can you repeat yourself? I can't hear you. If that's you, uh, it may be time for you to go back to the doctor's office. You've been putting it off for far too long. In fact, you've probably put it off so long now that it's actually starting to hurt a little bit. And get those ears professionally cleaned. But the reason you put it off, it's just a hassle, man. You work, you're busy, you don't want to spend your weekend. This is a two-hour trip between the wait in the doctor's office, getting it done, and everything else. Um, you got better things to do with your time, but this still needs to get done, right? That's why you need to check out WaxRx. You'll get everything you can get in a doctor's office, but you can do it yourself in the comfort and convenience of your own home. And now you can get WaxRx without a prescription. That's right. It's a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula just like the pros do. And now you can be the pro yourself. Try it risk-free today. Go to usewaxrx.com. All one word there, use WaxRx. Usewaxrx.com. Use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. And now we get to our weekly edition of fake news or not. Here are the ground rules. Remember, we don't sit here and we don't fact check MSNBC, CNN, NBC. We just don't care. For the same reasons we don't fact check Al Jazeera and... Uh, Russia Today. Those are uh, hostile media entities representing foreign governments. So we look at, we only look at them when they have people that are supposed to represent us when they talk to them, or we stick to news sources that are supposed to be representing you. Are they telling you the truth? Stop worrying about whether people you know are lying, are lying to you. You know they're lying, so you know they're liars. They lied again. That's what liars do. That's why they're liars. Start looking at the people you think are supposed to be telling you the truth and see if they're fake or not, starting with this clip. I think Pete Buttigieg is the most impressive 
by far candidate in terms of just raw political talent in the Democratic field. And he may be the most impressive candidate I've seen since the emergence of Barack Obama. He is as fluid as he can be. He seems to have something to say about nearly every issue. He seems comfortable on the big stage, um, articulate, um, you know, even humorous. Uh, I, you know, he stakes out positions that are, I think, well outside the mainstream on a number of issues, um, you know, reparations, abortion in particular, where as far as I can tell from what he said last night, uh, there's, no, there's no moment before birth when he wouldn't support a woman's right to an abortion. And, and that's a position not widely held in this country. Abortion in some instances is accepted, but not that position. And there are other positions as well, but just in terms of being comfortable with himself and fast on his feet and and... And I think in the debates, it'll be interesting to see how he stacks up. It'll be- All right, gentlemen, fake news or not. Get a room. I mean, good grief. But I, in seriousness, though, I, I, as far as political talent, I mean, sure. He's also the governor of uh, Podunk, Indiana. You know, uh, this mayor is of South of Podunk, go- Indiana. governor of Podunk. See, I yeah, don't even know exactly what he. You know, he's if for for all I know, he's Deet uh, Puttajaj. You know, the, I, I guess as far as political talent go, he has more than the average bear. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's he's going to be going anywhere. Um, so. I guess my 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 main takeaway today on today's show is who who really cares in this audience? But maybe Brett Hume sees something. Maybe he sees that he's he's um, that he's uh, you know maybe more of a threat than people are giving him credit for. But uh, you know, as far as the actual substance, if there was any there, yeah, sure, he has more political talent than than most people. I guess it's fascinating how the three of us are all over the map on this one. I- I'm on the opposite pole as you, Steve. We just tossed, I think you and Bob talked last week about how his time in the sun was done. His trick, uh, you know, his whole shtick uh, was to get people uh, seeming like the one guy and talking yeah. about the, uh, that may have been true. I, I think your analysis on this is sound, but I, I do agree with Brit Hume. And I predicted a while ago, I said, by the time we have a uh, uh, debate, uh, either right before or right after that he could be within five points of the lead. Because wh- once the once the uh, gay thing was uh, sort of at least tapped out for a moment there, he showed a, uh, an ability and a willingness to go say crazy things in a nice guy way on many different topics. I, I think he's not going to reserve himself, but he's going to come across as, as freshly scrubbed and with a sort of military discipline. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean he's, as Britt Hume said, that he's not crazy uh, and, and not viable from the perspective of a general population, maybe down the road, but in terms of his party and sorting through the morass of how many now, Steve, I mean, 20 ish candidates, Listen, I, he's not—he's not done yet. I, he's by no way a certitude, but he's somebody that's going to have to be dealt with. Yeah, I think he's done. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think he's done. And and I, to me, this is—I had this conversation like three years ago, and at that time, his name was Carly Fiorina. Same conversation. I mean, every answer she gave started with, "I'm the only woman running." Every answer. Every answer. What's his calling? She had no, all, she really had no other qualifications for the job other than she was a woman running in a party that desperately wants to virtue signal on minority status because of its defensiveness. He's the same candidate. He has no other resume other than I like to have sex with other guys. That's his only calling card. We've been through that. 
He has no other resume. There's no organization. Same with Fiorina. All this, he's pulling about what Carly oh. Fiorina was pulling in May, April, May of 2015. She also built no organization. She lived on cable TV just like he does. She was loved by the cable TV people just like he is. But she never really put any actual structure on the ground. She killed it in debate. She was the only yeah. candidate that got well, out of the kitty debates and in the main table. She was a player in yeah. the conversation. Yeah, but that's all she was. But that's something in a political okay. race. All right. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're if you're are saying, we talking player in the conversation or a threat to win the nomination? Well, I I don't know. I think, you, I think I'm asking you to define I'm asking the terms. about winning. Uh, he has uh, he, he, he has, as far he has as no winning, threat to win the nomination. As no. far as winning goes, you know, that's a different conversation. Than I think that that, that Hume was having. He was just making a comment about his political skills, which I guess okay. he has some. I mean, if the goal of the Buttigieg campaign, and I've said this too, people run for president for all kinds of different reasons other than they think they can win. If the goal is raise my profile, and now next time there's an opening for a Senate candidate though in Indiana to challenge the Republican there, his name will come up. You see that with Carly Fiorina now. Now she's taken none of the, no, nobody up on any of their overtures. You know, but um, if the goal is to raise his profile, it, it, then from here, if that's the, if that's phase two, phase one of the of the goal was to be a troll against the Christian church. If if now that that's played itself out and exhausted itself, if phase two is, dude, I just I'm I'm still I may be gay, but I'm a politician like everybody else, and I want to have my name out there and I want to raise my profile for my future. Then okay, yeah. I agree with you. He's a player. Then yeah. All I'm saying, if there's 20 people in this, that's happening. For maybe several reasons, but one of them that is that the bar for viability has dropped in this current age far lower than it's ever been. You people and 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 I don't know that we can necessarily predict where that goes. Uh, uh, Barack Obama started pushing that line further. Donald Trump certainly pushed it further. I just think we have to have our eyes wide open on possibilities that may not have existed just yesterday. Okay, clip two. Buttigieg clarifying his comments after going after our founding fathers. We're thinking twice about naming our events after Jefferson and, and Jackson. Maybe we should name it for a person who's living. Maybe we should name it after a person of color. I don't know. What a clown. Uh, should we really be trying to erase our country's history? Will we be a country without those men we're trying to erase? Fake news or not? Gentlemen, Todd, you first this time. What am I saying is fake about he, that he believes this? Because this goes to what I said before. I, I, if does he believe that? Um, I I think that part is uh, fake news. I, I don't think he really believes it, but I think he's capable of extending a conversation um, and running out the clock until he gets that last shot. So I, if if that's the question, does he believe what he just said? I think that's fake news. Aaron? Um, I'm going to come at this from the angle that he's a clown. Uh, that is not fake news, but that does not predispose you to actually falling flat on your face at any given point, especially in our current situation, for the same answers that Todd gave for the last for the last clip. Does that make sense? So he's a clown, yes, but he's running in a but party. But clowns are all full. the rage today, is yeah. that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, what's your take on that? No, what's your take on that? His only calling card, I mean, he says all the same things everybody else does. You know, his only calling card is, yes, I say everything everybody else does, and I like to have sex with guys. He literally has no other qualification. Carly Fiorina, I say all the same things Scott Walker says. I say all the same things Jeb Bush says. But I say so while being a woman. Vote for me. You know? But again, you still have to have an infrastructure. You still have to build an organization. 
You know, I mean, the Iowa caucuses are not run. They, it's the same process. It's different people, but it's the same process. You don't win this on, on, Rove, on uh, this isn't a primary where you win this thing on name ID, where you win this thing because Rachel Maddow loves you, loves you some, loves you some you, you know, for an hour and nine on MSNBC. What's he doing in Iowa, but, Todd? No, you got, you follow the, local news no, more than me. The, the, Where's it? What organizations do you have? But the amount of organization you may need when the field is that big here in Iowa, you won't that you won't have to get as much of the vote to be viewed. This is like he'll somehow he could somehow be twisted into what you were. Do you know what Ron, Ron Paul had to do to get ten percent in two thousand eight? I know, but the Marco Rubio. Look, he got third place. But it was the greatest third place ever. He can be fashioned into that by the media if he's viable enough okay. coming out of here. Okay, I, I think maybe you and I are having a different argument. Maybe we are. You, I think you're looking at him raising him, himself as a viable political prospect. Is that what you're thinking? I'm just thinking strictly about the 2020 presidential race. That's all. Well, th- well, then, you, amongst these 22, who are the only ones we should be talking about? Uh, it's 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 uh, uh, there's only two candidates as far as I'm concerned. See, I don't know. I think I think it's I think it's Biden and and Bernie Sanders, and it's, unless somebody knifes Joe Biden in one of the primaries. Then uh, in one of the debates, the mini primary will be determined and the big primary will be Joe Biden versus Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is going to be one of the two finalists. Obviously, and then it's a matter of who else it is. Obviously, that's the safest money. But I also think if if we are like betting the house on that after everything we've seen in the last. You've known me for a long time. Do you, do, am I comfortable betting safe money? Is that typically how I roll as a natural contrarian? Is that do I usually go with chalk? No, no, you don't go with chalk. But no. this is chalk. Yeah. But I, but I go with what I think what, what I think the data shows. And what the data shows is that Joe Biden has sucked all of the oxygen out of the room in that primary. And the only person who has survived his emergence is Bernie Sanders because he has a base that, yeah, that is I think outside this is, of that. I think Nobody's this is a paying attention this is a, I think this conversation, to some degree, I mean, if we're talking about a snapshot, are you talking about a snapshot in time as we stand right now? You mean, or well, are you talking about forecasting the future? Yeah, I, I, both. I don't think he's a viable candidate. I don't. Well, I, I think he's a complete media as concoction. The, the candidate that you just mentioned, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. I think this conversation is moot as it stands as a snapshot in time right now. I would agree with you. We have to wait till the debates, though. I mean, Aaron, old, you won as many old, delegates as Carly Fiorina old did. Joe Biden. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying Pete Buttigieg, but as as far as the, and where this is a different conversation than the one that we just had. But as far as uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg goes. Put him aside. As far as just uh, Joe Biden sucking the oxygen out of the room and uh, Bernie Sanders being the only two candidates that are. We just have to wait till the, the debates happen. I agree. I agree. Something could occur in the debates. I see nobody on the horizon though that has the that has. I built. See, the thing is, you can't just attack Joe Biden. You have to establish your own base of support before you do. That's the problem when, that Ron Paul, I'm sorry, Rand Paul and and um, uh, the governor, Bobby Jindal, when, they all went right after Trump before they, the number one thing you must do in politics to win, number one, step, well, I'm rephrase that, step one to winning is you have to build your own base. You cannot win without a base. The media is not a base. It can help you land one, but you still have to actually, it's, it's an air force. I've said this to so many candidates I've advocated for on the air. I am not, I won't build your campaign for you. I'm the air force. I mean, I can, I, I'm the air power. I can soften up the enemy and make it a hell of a lot easier. I can make people, I, with, with the truth of his record, I made people in Iowa disdain Mitt Romney, one of the proudest moments of my career. But it wasn't going to win Mike Huckabee, the caucuses. He still had to live here. 
and build that organization. And, and what I see is he's doing the same thing Carly Fiorina does. He does all the town halls, all the cable news. He doesn't do any of the actual legwork of a candidacy. Joe Biden was vice president for the most popular Democrat, arguably the most popular Democratic presidency since Kennedy, arguably, with the exception of Bill Clinton. All right. And he and, and we've got video of him sitting in restaurants in New Hampshire in, in booths with, he, with yogurts talking to regular people. Okay. Yes. Not that's that's what I'm. That's the difference. Uh, now, what but, guy has a track record of winning statewide and national elections? How's he behaving? And what's a guy who's just like you know? I just really want to be liked for being gay. There's a flip side to that though, and that Scott, you mentioned Scott Walker. Scott Walker got way too out far out in front of himself in terms of organ, organization. He had way too much debt. Uh, and he ultimately, as, as as well as his message failing, he had to get out because he could not. He, he, he built no base. He, well, I, but he he anticipated a base that was didn't come. He didn't earn, but he got in debt. Why would Buttigieg or any other Democrat before the time was right? I mean, you got to be smart. Unless you're Joe Biden, I'm or not saying like not that, to drop. I'm just that, saying he's not a candidate. I don't. He's, not, we, he's not a candidate to win. I, I just the, the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore, and we we need to be at least. It, this is less about Buttigieg than just fill in the blank. The other. Do you know what 20. kind of organization Barack Obama built in Iowa? I do. It's it it was until what Ted Cruz built, which I'm a little I'm a little partial to because I helped build that. Mm -hmm. Until what Ted Cruz built, it was the most impressive statewide organization anyone has ever seen in Iowa. With the with the exception of what you know Charles Grassley and Terry Branson have built, but they they're they're governor and pre, and senator for life. And Tom Harkin, we, we, you know, Tom yeah. Harkin was able to build an organization with his only, uh, you know, tie to Iowa was a mailbox. And he was already okay? a senator and he, he was, was already a senator. basically a three person yes, race. Yes. This, he's not going to bet the house yet when there are literally 20 people in this thing. Okay. All right. Um, let's do one more. Today, I'm introducing federal legislation to make 21 the new minimum age for purchasing any tobacco product anywhere in the United States. Let me say that again. A new age nationwide for purchasing anything classified as a tobacco product. Perry says, let me say that again, like this is a momentous occasion. E let me repeat myself. Vapor products and everything else. It shouldn't be 18 any longer. Mm. It should be 21. And this legislation will make that happen. 1998 called and, and wants its wants its arguments back before we, I, we, I, I think we both know Todd and we all know Todd and you're going to call this fake news before we get you know, their description as to why though. Um, did you watch some real news recently on 60 minutes? They had the former FBI head of cyber crimes on warning homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home and do it all online. That's because home titles and mortgages are kept in databases that can be hacked. If you have equity in your home, that's what the thieves are after. They forge their name onto your home's title and then they use your home's equity to borrow as collateral to borrow against it and they stick you with the payments no bank lending institution identity theft program can protect you from this but for just pennies a day home title lock can uh, they will put a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage they're america's leading leading guardian of the most important investment valuable investment most americans will ever have in their lifetimes and that's their own home find out if your home's already been tampered with for free go to hometitlelock.com uh, this is a called a title scan and report normally it's a hundred dollars but today it's free for being a part of our family here at the blaze at home title lock 
all one word, HomeTitleLock.com. Your thoughts on Mitch McConnell's latest cocaine Mitch meme, Todd? This is uh, the most George Costanza news ever. It's not a lie. If you believe it, uh, the fakest news of all as it relates to this is Donald Trump calling Amash uh, a loser. He's always been a loser. Uh, that That's not true. And you wasted that line uh, in a news cycle that it should have gone towards this guy. M- Mitch McConnell is a loser and he's always been a loser. I'm actually going to take a little bit different track with this. Uh, I think this is actually real news. I, I, you know, with all the spat, and we talked about this at, at, at length last week, the spat of recent pro-life momentum that we've had, what better way to capitalize on that um, than by saying to an 18 or 19-year-old young man who is risking life and limb overseas that when you come back, you will not be able to enjoy a, a fine cigar. No better way to capitalize on that momentum than what uh, Cocaine Mitch is doing. Washington, D.C. is the stupidest place on this planet, isn't it? Uh, crater. Crater. It, it's the capital. It's District 1 from the Hunger Games. That's what it is. We'll come back. Hour 2 is next. Pop Culture Tuesday. Stay tuned. <laughs> I just want to say, Todd and I continued our discussion of where we think the Democratic presidential primary is going. And we did. I'm going to be cutting myself live on air. I'm, I'm, that was a depressing intellectual exercise, was it not? Yes. Nobody, by the way, who won the argument? There isn't, this is an impossible argument. There's no winners, only losers. I you, mean, don't know, you don't know what the psychographic, you really don't know what the psychographic is of the Democratic, the average Democratic base voter in the primaries. You really don't until it happens. Steve doesn't like that. He doesn't like the unsolvable. The no, 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 no. I'm, I'm. It's not the unsolvable. It's the. It's it's the solvable that's bothering me these days. It's not the lack of solutions. It's the uh, it's the solutions we're coming up with that, that seem to be the problem. Lack sounds better, actually. Um, millions of Americans are fighting uh, daily chronic pain. Uh, and, and this is different than an injury, all right? This is a pain that comes from inflammation in the body. Some of it comes from sedentary lifestyle. Some of it comes from the way that we eat. Uh, some of it comes from other, uh, you know, behaviorally induced uh, activities that create inflammation in the, bo- in the body. And then even when you try to get back to, you know, where your body needs it to be, that inflammation can sometimes uh, be really difficult to get rid of, particularly as we get older. That's where relief factor comes in. I'm a huge fan of this product. I am the latest of numerous success stories we've had here at The Blaze uh, using Relief Factor. And here's what I like about it. Uh, it's 100% drug-free, even though it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. Uh, recognizing, you know, we got to come up with some long-term, we can't just, you know, painkillers, you know, antibiotics for everything, you know, because after a while, your body builds tolerances up to that stuff too. And they got to keep upping the doses and everything else. You're looking for healing here. All right. And and if you can do it naturally, you know, the, the the good Lord put a lot of natural healing capabilities in the human body. If we can put some things in there, some natural supplements in there that kick those uh, 
those you know uh, fundamental qualities into high gear, that would be the best case scenario. And that's where Relief Factor comes in. Four key all-natural ingredients helping your body to win the fight against inflammation. And now you can start it a three-week quick start program for just a dollar a day, 20 bucks, 1995. Just go to relieffactor.com right now and give it a try. You've got nothing to lose except maybe, hopefully, the pain. Relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. And don't even have the music. I, I wanted to. I don't think the music's that good, by the way. Oh, I listened to it. Man, I think stay it's in really. Your lane. Stay in your I think lane it's now. really kind of low, and the music doesn't do much for me. Um, this is not going to go anywhere. We're off so, to a wrong foot. So I want us to. I want us, and this is where we look each week at the uh, the conversion of pop culture and conservatism. And I want to look at Game of Thrones, which had 13.7 million people, according to the latest estimates I saw, tune in to its series finale last Sunday night on HBO and its various platforms. And and that's a pretty monster number. But to put it in perspective, if it were the NFL, it would have been the 71st most watched game in the National Football League. Is that what this was really about? Last year. That statement no. right there? No, no, it's not. But it's a further reminder, like my Twitter feed on a Sunday night, if I log on, it, it it it's just, you would get the impression Game of Thrones is all that is happening. You would get that impression, right? Matt? And it was that way. There were other shows that were like that that I never really got into. Mad Men was like that, okay? So this this should be a genre that I am in, enamored with. Right? I'm a big fantasy guy, things of that nature. But I'm into it when it's allegorical, when it's used to tell a higher story or, or point to a higher truth. And that's where, you know, your Chronicles of Narnia would come in. That's where your, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings and J.R. Tolkien's, you know, universe that he created, that's where that would come in. I gave, I gave Game of Thrones a try when it, when it first got popular. And what I found was, it, in, in my view, there was, one fam, there was one family and one character I remotely liked. And his name was Ned Stark. And I could tell that we were getting to the point they were all nihilistically conspiring against the guy. They're going to kill him. And they eventually did. And that was kind of my tap out because essentially for me, it was every, all of the things I love about a Lord of the Rings stripped away so that we could tell um, nihilistic political machinations laced with um, Skinamax. That's essentially what I saw. Now, you and several people told me that as the seasons wore on, there was much, much less of that, correct? Right? Well, I don't, I just don't, I just don't think it's nihilistic. I, I just think that there's, the good guys don't always win sometimes. And this is akin to me, I, uh, you're right about your what you said about Tolkien. This is like Battlestar Galactica. It's taking real politique and applying it to... In this case, it's Middle Earth instead of Deep Space. Now, like, I love, I loved, the, yeah, I loved Battlestar it. Galactica. It's, on it's one of the best television series of, of my lifetime. Yes, I think there's a major difference between the two, though. But, but I can see there are similarities. But I think there's a major difference in the way that the audience has reacted to the finales. And I'll, I'm going to oh, get to that. I'm going to yeah. get to that. I'm going to get to that in a second. Okay. So knowing that this was going to be going into its final season, and this was going to be a major tour de force. All right, and. Um, I did what I typically do where I skim through things, you know? So, um, I, 
I, I'm aware of what the Red Wedding is. I know what a Dothraki is. Okay. Most of these characters I hated, didn't care about. Um, and so, you know, I would skim through these, you know, like one night I wanted to rewatch Voyager on Christmas break. And so I went through six seasons of its show in four hours overnight. Okay. So I have skimmed through, I'm, I'm a familiar enough with the major storylines. Um, I watched the entire episode of um, the Battle of Winterfell. Uh, and uh, then I watched the entire final episode. The reason why I chose to actually watch those episodes is because you were led to believe as a viewer, for all of you that were into this all these years when I was not, you were led to believe that the whole show was building to these two one moments, right? Everything was building to these two moments. Winter had finally come. The, the zombies basically had finally arrived, right? Yes. Uh, and then, you know, what would happen with who was the rightful, you know, ruler of the Iron Throne? Okay. Right. So I have a theory as to why so many of you are dissatisfied with the show. And I, before I, and I, I thought yesterday about doing this topic. And then I thought, you know, I, I'm familiar with the show, but I don't think I know the subject matter well enough to really do it. So we're not, I'm going to come up with something else. And then this morning I read a piece at one of the fanboy websites I frequent. And, um, it's a fanboy website from a guy that we have a lot of similar pop culture interest, interest, but he's a total leftist progressive and you can tell in the way he writes. And I read his piece and, and he, and it's 12 unanswered questions. Now there's lots of, we've got unanswered questions about the Avengers. We have some things that we weren't totally given answers to. Right. But when we think about, can you think of anything fundamentally about the Marvel right. cinematic universe? You don't have an answer to no, there's curiosities. I read through this list and I could not believe the things yeah. that they left unanswered in this show. Jonah Goldberg wrote a column that basically says the same thing. And, and I mean, major characters, if, if you, I mean, I would watch an episode and like, because I don't care about mask girl or, I mean, and you know, well, it turns out you didn't need to, that's right. Um, it, you know, a lot of the, frankly, the political machinations took place at a brothel. So fast forward that. All right. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't care about most of this stuff. And I was surprised though at the, like the Lord of light. If you watch an episode in five minutes, you know that he's, this is some deity that is some major, you know, nothing. Yeah. Major questions left unanswered. And I have a theory as to why that's the case. And it has nothing to do with poor writing. My theory has nothing to do with um, compromise or has nothing to do with, well, they wanted to do fan service because fans, for this kind of a show, you know, fans are far more interested in you answering the fundamental you know, mythological questions of the show than who is shipping each other. Don't you think that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're care if you're, if, if your number one concern about a show is who's shipping each other, you're watching the CW, man. If you're watching a show like this, you, you may find that interesting. That might be why your wife and girlfriend watches it with you. But most people are watching a show like this because the mythology is, 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 is key to it. Yeah. And that, and, and, and you are waiting for the, for the existential questions driving all of this to finally be answered. Right? Yes. I have a theory as to why there were no answers. 
I want you to think about what that theory is for a minute, okay, while I do this. And I'm going to ask you guys to guess what you think my theory is here in a minute, okay? But if you are like a lot of Americans who are struggling to put uh, good raw fruits and vegetables back in your diet that have all those prebiotics, probiotics, antioxidants, the kinds of things that um, you know boost our immunity. You know what the number one immunity system in the body is, by the way? Do you know what it is? It's the gut, actually. It is the number one immunity system in the body. And so many of us are not putting those raw whole foods uh, that uh, nature and our creator gave to us here on this planet. We're not putting those things uh, in our lifestyles and in our diets anymore. That's where our friends at Field, uh, uh, our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have come into play with Field of Greens. 100% real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. These aren't supplements. All right, so when you turn the label over, it won't say supplement facts. It's going to say nutrition facts. All right, so this is the actual fruits and vegetables themselves. You can now drink that uh, that raw and necessary uh, health immunity booster. Put that back in your system, and it's not laced with 90 grams of sugar like a lot of the other naked uh, you know juices out there that they're trying to sell you instead. All right, so if you want to give this a shot, tastes great. I'm a fan of this product as well. BrickhouseSteve.com is the website. Use my name, promo code Steve, at checkout for 15% off of your first order. BrickhouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. All right. Aaron, are you familiar with this show whatsoever? No, which is why I put together this graphic. Uh, <laughs> I love for it. The, for the show. Nice troll. I, I, like I took it down because I didn't want to distract you. I hear, I hear you. Okay. So, Todd, you are. Tell me then what you think my, do you have a guess what you think my theory is as to why the show ended this way? I'll guess. Okay. Well, you start, if, I think it's something along the lines, if you start off nihilistically, you, you can't ultimately come to tie things up in a meaningful way in the end. It's impossible. Nihilism cannot do that. It won't do that. And it's almost as if they tipped their hand. I'm glad you saw it because now you will, it won't be as powerful to you, but when I, you've seen it, so now I can tell you what it meant to me. When, when they're sitting there at the end, and uh, Tyrion, the dwarf, yeah, the dwarf is in chains. Says, let's let's give people. One of them says, let's give people the right to well, vote. Well, first, f- first yeah. it's him, and yeah. and they all laugh at him. Yep. And then they have this for for this show the. Sh- Tyrion Lannister is, he's got a, there's a t-shirt out that's made, his great line is, I drink and I know things. He's brilliant, but he's just a lech. Yep. Uh, and, and, and it's what made him so, ende- I mean, he could find his way through it, and, but he had this giant blind side as it applied to Khaleesi. But then when he does this, after that democracy, and he does a little riff on it and this totally saccharine, sugary speech about Bran the Broken and all these guys who have just been through blood after blood and fight after fight just now. Well, that seems good. They, 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 were, they were just pretty much admitting to you that we, we couldn't possibly give you anything that made sense at the end based on where we started from your interpretive lens. So yes. I don't know. I, you're really no, close to my okay, answer. I figured I might, I know I wouldn't nail it. Yeah, but. you're you're really close to my answer. I mean, in that 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 scene where the one guy who, what do they call them? Maestros, maesters, maesters. Maesters, yeah. All right. And uh, he's a great uh, character. Which are essentially um, uh, alchemists. It's their version of alchemy. Uh, is that fair? Yeah, it, in, it's in something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
you know, an ancient form that is a mixture yeah. of medicine, occult, <laughs> mysticism, things of that nature. A wise man, a yeah. wise man. Sex. And he suggests, why don't you know? Instead, yeah. of, these people are all going to be ruled by the ruler. Let, let's let them have a say, and they all laugh at him. Yeah. Right. Uh, the guy they come to who decides that um, you know um, who can't he cannot be lured by earthly attachments. His humanity is gone. He's he he he, he was he was half human and half Vulcan basically for a while. The unsullied. And, and Spock about. went yeah. and Spock went through Pon Far and yeah. and killed off all of his humanity. Okay, and and he's pure Vulcan now. And this is Brand the Broken. He's not a human anymore. Oh, you're talking about he, Brand. He's the, yeah, whatever yeah. this three eyed raven thing. I yeah, fast forwarded yeah. through all that too. I found it was boring. Well, right. And and he's the soothsayer that sees the future. And they're going to give it to him because he's so he's so pious and he doesn't want worldly power. And they ask him, do you want? He goes, well, why do you think I wheeled my ass all the way here? That was his answer, literally. That's why it was literally his answer. Same thing any other politician or would-be would say. So the guy who knows the future knew all the betrayals were going to happen. Like, let's go to, let's compare this to Avengers Endgame. Uh, in fact, Avengers Infinity War, let's go there. And the scene where Doctor Strange is off to the side Right, and mm-hmm. they and they look at Tony Stark and say, "Hey, did your friend always do that?" Mm-hmm. And he's going through with the time stone all of the various scenarios. Essentially, this ends that with with this brand kid did that and chose the scenario where the absolute most people would die, and would end with him getting to be the king. And then there's a scene after this where they're actually beginning to rebuild their civilization, and he's like, "I'm sure y'all figure it out," and wheels himself out. And he was like the guy, they were all like, yeah, this is the noble one. This is the one that's wise that we need to, you know, we need to have, make him our ruler. This was their solution. Not to to me, make- in many respects, if you look at his character, he's the most cold-blooded character of them all. He's the most cold-blooded character of them all. He won the Game of Thrones, basically. He out Cersei Lannister, her. He literally created a scenario, helped his, he also, he literally permitted a scenario to take place. That was the absolute most vile, bloodiest possible. It could only end, and end, but it ended with him being on the throne. Well, he didn't permit it. He couldn't do anything about it. He's Don't a, think he could have warned them or said, in, "Hey, this is a bad idea." I've seen, I've seen the future. Well, but that, it's a bad see, idea. Somebody stop your dragon queen from torching an entire city. That's bad. He couldn't have given him any warning. Sent a raven or two. Well, but that's part of the problem with, with the end. That not the three-eyed raven. This guy, like the guy, he took it over from who was actually played by um uh the great max von Sydow was in it yeah but that guy lived for like you he's also has unnaturally long life and that so it goes to what you said about the 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 high priestess and the 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 uh, lord of light like the, all of a sudden what should have been fleshed out about what this really means you're on, you're onto it partially i think that too it's it's just like it doesn't dropped. mean it doesn't mean anything yes you know what you know what it is and as I was skimming through these episodes at a very rapid pace, because I really needed to get back to playing MLB the show. But I'm like, so many people, I'm so much of my audience and people I know are involved in this, I at least got to be aware of what this is. And I got halfway through the scene where, and the epiphany to me was the scene where Daenerys Targaryen, where the Dothraki are going to basically rape her to death. And she lets she goes full Farrah Fawcett and lets them all just burn down to the embers, and then walks out like through the flames, and the people salute her. And and then we get to the end, and 
they finally realize, and, and Tyrion says this to, to Jon Snow at the end, you know, when she did this to all that, when she was this wicked and brutal to the bad people, we cheered. Why did we ever really think she was going to turn this filter off, right? That's kind of what he is saying, right? Okay. But, you know, I, you want to know what the secret sauce of this show is, in my view? The secret, and, it's, and I think the secret sauce of Trump's presidential run is that people were thirsting for a third-party candidate, thirsting for an option outside of Republicans and Democrats. And a lot of people came to the conclusion he was the closest they could realistically get given the current political the fundamentals of our political process. Here's likewise, here's the secret sauce. We have a deep, you know, we went through an era in the late nineties into the early 2010s where shows like, um, the walking dead became so popular. And I watched that show every week. The last episode I watched is when, is when we watched Negan literally in the most graphically way possible beat all the, when he introduces himself mm-hmm. and he beats all those people to death, my wife and I never watched another episode. I and, made it about uh, three quarters of a season after that and I tapped out. Because it was very clear the story wasn't heading anywhere. Right. That they were, this was just going, and, and, and therefore since the story has no redemptive element, the, all you can do is just get more vile, more violent. That you you have to you have to it, it's not violence with a purpose it's violence for violence's sake it's gore for gore's sake we got to keep upping the ante of the outrageous otherwise why are you tuning in that's see we went through that phase almost like you know somebody put us out of our misery we're entering into a new phase now where we are seeking a redemptive element but the redemptive element we're seeking is what progressivism is really selling us is regression. We're going back to the old paganism. That's why we're using that word more and more in our show. These aren't liberal ideas, leftist ideas. In many respects, what you're dealing with is just outright paganism. These are ideas that Western civilization defeated in the halls of academia, in the, in, you know, in the steeples of churches, and on the battlefield hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And we're bringing them back because we're looking for any solution other than turning to the God who made us where our rights come from. And so I think the secret sauce of this show was it, if you know the history of the world prior to the, inf- the introduction of the Judeo-Christian historical arc, this is almost a perfect replica of it. It is exactly what life was like. Yes. It's exactly what this world was like. It's the world where God said to Noah, this place is so nick- wicked, yes. we're, we're, I'm, we're, I'm hitting control, I'll delete. This is the world outside of natural revelation, common grace, direct revelation, outside of the the nation of Israel who is to be a light of all peoples, outside of the New Testament church, outside of that historical arc. This is what, what this show depicts, the mysticism, the occultism. I mean, when they go into Pharaoh's palace, Pharaoh's mystics do tremendous things too. Just not by the not by you know the powers of heaven, but by the powers of the other place. Okay, so this is the perfect encapsulation of 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 the world that we came out of, and we and and this idea that going back, going back to the things history's already judged as wrong, as evil, as vile. John Snow, the great hero, never asserts his leadership, passes it on over and over and over again, 
his, you know, wants to, has a relationship, sex with his aunt. He's the best character here. He's the best guy. There's no heroes here. And there weren't. There weren't. There, we, 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 there, there, there's no, this is Greek mythology. The, the Lord of Light, this, you know, very humanistic, very capricious. And if you look at all the, that article and all the fundamental questions the show didn't answer, it doesn't have any answers to fundamental questions. It's wash, rinse, repeat. It's what we are in our unregenerated, sinful, unrepentant state. But, yeah. These are the people. This is what we are. The show should have been called Twitter. Total Depravity. Or Twitter would have been another but, great title for it. And that's worth seeing if it pricks our consciences. It's interesting when you... Uh, I, I want to address what you said about... Uh, brand because it's in i know you saw things in the last jedi from a biblical perspective that i didn't see or uncompelling and i clearly saw something here potentially whether they had any intention of that or not but brands if you know the future you also know whether it's worth even warning anybody about the future or not because you know the condition of man now what there's all the layers of whatever the three-eyed raven is, and I watched the whole thing, and I'm still not sure about what it is. But if his if his point is basically to be, he's he's long suffering. He's just like I, I know the future. I see the future. I also know that this is the Khaleesi burning people alive, and the commentary you got from Tyrion about um, did did we really think she would be different? Well, you tricked yourself into thinking at the time now, and a guy like Bran knows that that's the human condition. So I think there's. More there, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, that's that's edifying. But I think that should. Here we are, me, watching the whole thing, you skimming it. You're, we're, we totally agree on what was compelling about this show. Well, I, I find it compelling. It What made it quality, it shows what human life really, really is. All the human sacrifice. This is, this is what... They burned a little girl alive, remember yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, th- that's... When you read, you know, they, they kind of use euphemistic language. Like some of the language you hear in the scriptures, they talk about feasts. Do you know what feasts were in the ancient world? Do you know? Often they would devolve into drunken orgies, guys. That's, that's you know, so when, when ne- is it, which one, is it one of Nebuchadnezzar's sons? When they break out the fine china from the temple, because their feast has gone on for so long that all the dishes are dirty. There's no more cups to drink out of. And he says, you know what? Go into the temple of go into the temple of those nasty Jews and go get their consecrated dishes and bring them in here. So we've got clean dishes here. They're not just sitting around, you know, rolling, throwing dice, guys. Feast in the ancient world. These were drunken, lascivious orgies is what these were. And so they break in. And this is this is the scene where where the writings on the wall, many, many take a parson. OK, I mean, we, we have glossed over a lot of this in our modern age. And, and if you're wondering as a believer, what is it really that the church conquered? They, these weren't just idle debates. If you want to know what it is, when Jesus says not even the gates of hell, this show is a depiction of the gates of hell. That's really what it is. This show is, an, this show is the most honest, Accurate, profane, but that's what this world was. A vile and profane place. But God. And that's why 
if you didn't, you maybe you didn't get the answers you wanted. If you really revel in what this show offers you, you didn't get the answers you wanted, but you did get the answers you deserve. Yeah, you got the most accurate answers that what the worldviews depicted of this show. Tomorrow it's the Babylonians. To the next day it's the Edomites. Then it's the Philistines. Then it's the Greeks. Then it's the Romans. Then it's you know you know then it's the Mao dynasty in China. And it, we just the pages of the encyclopedia turn. Sometimes it's the Lord of Light. Sometimes it's called the Ming Dynasty. We just turn the pages, but nothing ever changes. And that and that's in the show because they keep you heard it a lot. They kept break. She was going to break the wheel. Break the wheel. Right. And here we are at the end. And I thought this this was actually a brilliant scene, where where the the five of them are just sitting around the table talking about sanitation things, but yep. they, which is what they were doing in the beginning and they, and how to pay for things. And a guy like Jon Snow, who, who started off as a we bastard. threw out Xerxes and Alexander the Great's in charge yep, now. Yep, so, yep. Got to rebuild the sewers. Yeah. Yep. And when Alexander the Great dies, you know, it'll be Antiochus Epiphanes. We'll have to figure out how we yeah. rebuild our military. Yeah. What else are we going to do? Wash, rinse, repeat. We're right. just going to keep repeating this over and over right. again. And you can't break the wheel short of the grace of God. So That's right. You're left to wonder that. Yep. Wow, we agreed. Nice job. Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me because I, I appreciate it. Really, it does. Sort of. Uh, if you're in the market, uh, the real estate market uh, this time of year, but you're looking for the right agent, uh, this is you want to make sure that you have success with what could be your biggest investment in life. So you're looking for a real estate agent that you can trust. Okay, and that's where Real Estate Agents I Trust comes from. It's a company Glenn Beck and his associates started a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, but uh, then didn't deliver the results intended when necessary and when called upon. And they figured out that really you're looking for three, uh, three key ingredients of the right real estate agent. Number one, you're looking for somebody with a, tr with a tr proven track record of being successful navigating uh, the changes and the evolutions in the real estate market. Number two, uh, you're looking for somebody who understands that expertise goes beyond algorithms. You need to consider data, but you got to look at the details as well because algorithms can't measure outliers. That's where the human uh, discernment and wisdom comes into play. And then thirdly, somebody that's just you know respectable, um, cordial, uh, easy to get along with. This is a very relational process. You're going to work closely together uh, through what could be a stressful time. And it's just it, the higher the likelihood or the likelihood goes higher that it will be successful if it's somebody that you can trust and get along with. That's why you want to find the right real estate agent that you can trust by visiting the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, got a question recently in my inbox that would take more time than Feedback Friday would typically allow for one note. But uh, we're going to answer this question. Which founding father would I resurrect and to address which issue we're currently on the wrong side of history with? We're going to discuss that here next. Stay tuned. We're about ready to drop some historical truth bombs here on the show. And uh, another place that likes to drop some truth bombs is our friends uh, at Swiss America. They've got a brand new uh, report out called The Secret War that uh, points out why governments want every financial transaction to be taxable, trackable, and blockable. Uh, the report is yours free if you give them a call at 800 289 
1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. And, and they can even tell you what they think is coming next because that's what they do. I mean, they, they do economic uh, forecasting and advice for their clients uh, all over the country. And they, they say, hey, take a look at China's new social credit system, computer algorithms that Google, that Google helped to develop. They're soon going to assign each of 1.3 billion citizens with a score based on government loyalty. They're doing that in China. Low scores result in restricted medical care, travel, and credit. You know, that sounds like it should be like the plot line to a TV show or a movie. It actually is. It's my favorite episode of Black Mirror is this is this is the plot. This is exactly what happens here in the United States of America in the future. Could such Orwellian control over citizens happen in America? Only time will tell. But that's why you need to get and read The Secret War to understand how protecting your hard-earned money uh, and your family uh, go hand in hand. Again, SwissAmerica.com or 800-289-2646. They'll give you this report for free when you call or visit the website. So one of our uh, listeners slash viewers, uh, his name is Gabriel Harris. And he asked me a question recently. I thought, now this would be a fascinating conversation for us to have. He asked me, which founding father, if I could resurrect one founding father to bring back and to use him to steer us back to the righteous path on any particular issue, which founding father would I choose and which issue would it be? All right. So, I'm going to answer that question. The founding father I would choose is Thomas Jefferson. And I would choose him for a couple of different reasons. One, because he owned one of the first copies of the Quran, which is a documented truth, uh, that's really the main reason that he has often been uh, the modern left's favorite founding father. Um, although they don't really know the context of why he owned that Quran and what, why he felt the need to study Islam. It wasn't so much a shaking his fist at God, and he did have some really quirky, weird, um, non-Orthodox religious views. There's no denying that. Well, accordingly. Yeah. Uh, there's no denying that. Say that again, what you just said your and, mic was on. And he, re- he rewrote, yes. literally, the Bible accordingly. Yep. And there, there's no denying any of that. I don't, I don't need to deny history. Um, I, 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 I'm a conservative. I need to know history in order to know what to conserve. So I don't need to make people more villainous than they already were or build them up to be bigger heroes than they need to be. I just need to know what the truth is. All right. So those things about Jefferson are true, but the context of why he had a Quran wasn't because he was interested in converting to Islam. Uh, He was actually trying to figure out why in the Sam Hill were these Muslims kidnapping and killing our soldiers out on the open seas? What's their motivational factor? What did we ever do to you guys? You know, I'm the one, I'm the one, let's not get involved in foreign entanglements guy here. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm the one that's like, you know, what was one of his famous lines? If it affects neither, um, if it affects neither my pocketbook nor my conscience, then how you live your life is really of no mind to me. Right. So he was trying to figure out why they were stepping to us when we had really no interest in what was going on with them. So that so a lot of that context is lost, but I want it because he is someone who has some one of the rare founding fathers that has some crossover appeal, and even though we're, we're that's rapidly ending, Democrats are getting rid of their Jefferson Jackson dinners all over the country as we speak, but he is one of the founding fathers that has traditionally had some crossover appeal. So I want to use him because he also happened to be the founding father that was the most prescient and the most vocal in warning us 
about the time that we live in now. And that is the age of judicial supremacy. So if I could resurrect one founding father to talk about one issue, it would be Thomas Jefferson on judicial supremacy. I have some quotes from, uh, from the former president in that regard as well. This is from 1819 in a letter he wrote to Judge Roan, quote, the Constitution on this hypothesis, and the hypothesis they were debating in this letter, judicial supremacy, who's the final word on what the Constitution means. The Constitution on the, on the hypothesis that the courts are the final word on what the Constitution means is a mere thing of wax in the hands of the judiciary, which they may twist and shape into any form they may please. Is that not the era we live in today? It is. In any given day, depending on what one judge decides he's going to universally injunct, does that determine what is and is not the law in yeah, America? I would add one addendum to that. Sure. The uh, form to which they shape that wax always seems to slant towards the left. It is weird, isn't it? Like no one ever said, no, when was the last time a judge ruled, you know what? I found in the Constitution a right to own a firearm that hasn't already been legalized. When was the last time that happened? Can you think of a time? I found in the Constitution that government can't tax you in the way that they are. So I'm voiding that tax. Was you know when that happened? Last time that happened? Has it ever happened? Do you know? I'm not even going to dignify that no. with a reply. Yeah, it is funny. It's a little bit like these accidental bannings on social yeah. media. Always seem to go one way. Or the polling errors only seem to go one way. <laughs> it, it is fascinating. These, these, these things they just mysteriously find in the Constitution, as Aaron pointed out only seem to go one way. How about this from Thomas Jefferson? This is in a letter to a Mr. Jarvis back in 1820. Quote, you seem to consider, the pres former President Jefferson spent a lot of time later in his life debating this topic, by the way. You seem to consider the judges the ultimate arbiters of all constitutional questions, a very dangerous doctrine indeed, and one which would place us under the despotism of an oligarchy, meaning that's a form of government where instead of a monarchy, one elite rules over all, a group of elites rule over all. The Constitution has erected no such single tribunal knowing that to whatever hands confided with the corruptions of time and party, its members would become despots. You've heard me say that today the judiciary operates as its own unelected, perpetual, never-ending constitutional convention. That's what Jefferson is warning about in 1820, warning us about this, that essentially you are erecting a tribunal. They will just operate outside of the will of the people and decide for you what the Constitution does and does not say, and that is, that is despotism incarnate, is what Thomas Jefferson is saying. This in a letter to another judge. I like that several of these are letters he wrote to judges. <laughs> All right? Uh, this is to a letter to a... We got two quotes. We'll close with two quotes to, from the same letter to this Judge Johnson. Um, but the Chief Justice says, there must be an ultimate arbiter somewhere of what the Constitution means. True, there must, but the ultimate arbiter is the people, Jefferson says. Why, why, where would we get the notion that the people are the ultimate arbiter of what the Constitution means? Well, um, it, it, again, it, it's a symbiotic relationship. You could look at the similarities to the Scriptures, for example. The, the Scriptures begin with the phrase, in the beginning, God. So who was first, God or the Scriptures, guys? God. Okay. God was first. So then who decides what the scriptures mean? The Supreme Court. 
You know, it's okay, true. let me rephrase that. Yeah, that is true. Who should? Who should we recognize decides God. what his word means? God. Because in the beginning, God. So God was there in the beginning, which means everything that's going to come next is either about or from whom? It's either about or from whom? Yeah, there was no one. It's him in the beginning. Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. All right. What if Ruth Bader Ginsburg identifies as God? She's insane. All right. Um, (laughs) But so since the first few words are in the beginning, God, everything that comes forth from this point on is either from or about him, ultimately. All right. And everybody else's angles in this are subplots that drive the main narrative, which is this is either from or about God. Similarly, the Constitution of the United States begins with the words, what? What's it begin with? We the people. We the people. Who came first? The people or the Constitution? People. The people, which means everything that follows, everything else that follows is either from or about the people. See what I did there? See the parallel there? We the people. In order to form, are the next few words, in order to form, who is forming this form of government? Who is forming this constitution? Who's doing it? People. Did we have any courts at this point? No. Did we have a Marbury versus Madison? No. Was there a federal court system? Did we even have a Supreme Court? No. 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 no, 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 no. Who's forming all these things then? People. So therefore, Jefferson says, since the people formed, just as we pointed out, the Bible begins in the beginning, God. So therefore, he's the authority of every, ultimate authority of what comes everything after that, right? Well, we the people. So therefore, who's the authority about ev- ultimately about everything that comes after that? The people are. That's what Jefferson is saying. Noah Rothman disagrees, by the way. He's not alone. Lots of the conservative smart set disagrees with this. Here's the good news. You guys are all going to win the argument here soon. Well, I mean, you're going to lose the argument, but you're going to get your way, okay? You're going to get your way, and we are, we are literally one court decision away from whatever original schema of the Constitution remained gone. So you're going to get your way. You guys want to live under these despots? People like me are going to lose. Barring revival, we're going to lose this argument. Because immoral and religious people are the only people capable of standing up to the, the tank in Tiananmen Square that the courts have become and standing there and say, here I stand, I can do no more. May God have mercy on my soul and don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes. And irreligious, secular people who think they can find redemptive solutions in Game of Thrones are not capable, which is nothing other than an honest, profane depiction of real paganism, are not capable of standing up to this level of tyranny. They're not. So you're going to get your way, Okay. I'm sorry for you, though. Care for what you wish for. One more from Thomas Jefferson. Also in the same letter to Judge Johnson, Jefferson writes, There is no danger I apprehend so much as the consolidation of our government by the noiseless and therefore unalarming instrumentality of the Supreme Court. When he means there, outside of the will of the people, these men in this closet, which is, they were literally put in a closet at the beginning, literally, in a closet. These men in a closet come out of the closet and in their stoic fashions and in their tisk tisk glances and in the, we thought you were better than that, sanctimony. 
telling everybody else who does the majority of the living, bleeding, dying, and tax paying in this country how you're going to live your lives, whether you like it or not. And that's exactly what that, that's that's exactly where we are now. Here's the reality. The direction of this country is not determined by who wins elections. It's determined by opinions in the, in the federal appellate courts. That's where it's determined. Period. End of sentence. That's where it's determined. That's where the real legislating in this country happens, is right there. Gentlemen, your thoughts? Well, uh, I'm fascinated because you and I were really close. I, I picked mine in my own head. Uh, I went more broadly, but I did pick Jefferson and I picked the notion of subsidiarity, understanding which level of government uh, power should reside and why. Because it's obviously true because a court, a Supreme Court was created that the courts should have a, a, a fundamental role of some kind. But what is that? And if they usurp power or forsake power, where will it go and how will it be abused? That's what subsidiary is all about. The finely tuned notion of how the human condition either flourishes or foobars, if you will, uh, through the, the proper understanding of government. I mean, this is, and the founders were men who stood on the shoulders of giants, uh, Locke, Blackstone, Montesquieu, the, the, trying to figure out how do we put the pieces together the best we can with with the help of divine providence so that power is always distributed right where it can do the most good. And once you get away from that, uh, once you get away from subsidiarity, uh, which isn't necessarily power always drifts down to the smallest place, sometimes the, the appropriate role for a strong form of government is right there in mm -hmm. the federal government. That's mm -hmm. where it can function most. And we recognize that as conservatives. But what it's been blown way, way out of proportion. Steve just showed you a snapshot of a very specific targeted place where it is doing perhaps the most damage, the courts. I'm just talking more broadly. Take his arguments as it applies to this and apply it to every place of government, local, state, Federal. How is it supposed to function? Not as that is a whim. It's this is actually science. If you, despite your best intentions, if you put a certain power within a certain role of government, it it can't work. It won't work. The court's example that Steve just is. I couldn't do better in terms of an example of why that is. I mean, our founders would have never thought of for even even why we have many of the agencies in the federal government exactly. that we have. Like, why do we, why do you need a department of health and human services? I mean, you guys don't know in your own community, like you were just talking about subsidiarity. Yeah. You guys don't know in your own community, what the healthcare needs of your community are. You guys, Education, you, know, you know, local yeah. doctors, local hospitals that know, Hey, you know, why would you think a bureaucracy in Washington, DC understands what's best for the collective healthcare of the people of Owasso, Oklahoma? Why would you presume that? Right. And what ends up happening too when you introduce these massive bureaucracies is they also end up getting entangled in in all kinds of lobbyist corruption, foreign entanglement corruption. You're seeing that right now with the current Department of Health and Human Services. That's what FreedomWorks is doing right now. Um, you have the secretary uh, over there at HHS, Alex Azar. Uh, and Alex Azar is essentially saying, hey, we're going to let foreign countries dictate the prices of your medicine. I mean, didn't we just have a campaign slogan, America First? 
Does anybody know what's America first about uh, about uh, Beijing deciding what you know what your prescriptions ought to cost or what procedures ought to be what what uh, what uh, you know the EU deciding what uh, which medical procedures ought to be available to you as an American citizen? I mean, is there anything representative about that? You paying taxes places you're not paying taxes to, and they're the ones making decisions for you. So uh, that's where FreedomWorks is attempting to get the Trump administration's attention here and put uh, American patients in, in uh, first here instead of fixing prices for foreign entities. If you want to lend your voice, they need your help. Go to freedomworks.org slash my last name, Dace. Freedomworks.org slash Dace. Help them get the attention of the Trump administration to rein in this joker, Alex Azar, and say, hey, uh, put America first, all right? freedomworks.org slash dace aaron your thoughts you wonder why we constantly describe what's going on in washington dc on a day in and day out basis as the show it is the last two quotes that we uh, examined from thomas jefferson the people have been usurped by these courts Uh, in the federal courts they are you know judges and justices are appointed by people who are duly elected but they themselves were not directly are not and are not directly accountable to the you at the average voter. And so everything that goes on, 99% of what goes on in Washington on a day-to-day basis really is just bread and circuses. Because and I'm not saying this is happening, but I'm just I'm just throwing out an example. When uh, Alabama passes a, a basically a, a total ban on abortion, and a national organizations uh, organization uh, located in Wyoming or Oregon or uh, you know some some state that's so far away from Alabama can because they are a national organization can then sue uh, Alabama for whatever because of this abortion law it goes to a federal court because it's an interstate problem um, and the court just decides yeah this is unconstitutional see ya because of a court precedent that was set by a bunch of people who weren't even elected again, that means that it's not because people in Washington don't have any power. It's just because they are not willing to use it because they are feckless. And so everything that then happens just becomes a sporting event. And unless you're the New England Patriots in football, you know, once in a blue moon, your uh, your your favorite sporting team is going to reward you with some sort of great accomplishment. Hmm. A tax cut here, tax cut there. But other than that, it just exists for your entertainment and most of the time your frustration. Excellent question, Gabriel Harris. Thank you for tuning in and uh, same to all of you that did so today. Stick around for overtime coming your way a little bit uh, later on Blaze TV. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you.